0: Welcome to another edition of Beyond the Blind. I am your host, Chris Adams. However you're listening to us today, whether it be the Podbean app, iTunes, the podcast app on your iPhone, make sure you hit that subscribe button. That way you can see every new uh, episode that comes out and uh, just pops up a little alert on your phone. So that's the best way to keep up with all this different stuff. Leave us a review. uh, Put a comment on there. Let me know what you think of it how it's doing. Um, you guys have done it so far. It's been great. I really, really appreciate the guys who have been giving me some feedback. If you're not following along with us on social media, make sure you check out BTBN on Facebook and Instagram. That's where I post all the... Uh, man, everything. <laughs> I post the new podcast. I post little clips of uh, the different podcasts, our little live shows, everything that's going on. We have a little bit on... Uh, Both the social media sources, so make sure you check out BTBN on Facebook and Instagram. Speaking of Facebook and Instagram, we did the first eight callers in the head-to-head matchup, and we came away with uh, four winners that are moving on to the next round. It was a lot of fun. Um, Man, I was on there for 30 minutes by myself talking, which is definitely a little bit weird, but uh, it ended up really, really fun, and uh, some guys... Man, they made some really killer calls, and congratulations to all the guys moving on, and thank you for the guys who participated that uh, got eliminated. Everybody made some killer calls. So it was a really, really good time. If you want to get a paperweight of a duck call, you can hit me up on social media. Check out Unstable Calls. Yeah, I'll make you a really cool-looking call to put on your desk, and uh, if you want to kill some ducks with it, it might do that too. If you want to get yourself a really cool Simple t shirt, some apparel. Check out Fox Red Apparel on Instagram. That is a uh, man, that's my style of stuff. It is simple, it is basic. They have a really cool little dog logo on the chest, and then a, a little diamond shaped logo on the back. It's just a clean, classic example of uh, some apparel. Man, I looked at my wardrobe, and 90% of stuff that's not workout gear is just stuff with a little horse on it so i really really like their style it's a cool way to do it um there's no skulls no tribal no crazy stuff like that flames if you if you're a bedazzled jean wearing guy it's probably not the style for you but uh for us adult hunters man I, i really really like it so check out fox red apparel yeah Anyway, enough of the promotional stuff, today I have a very interesting guy, I was talking with Joey Hip a few episodes ago, and uh, his website, they're actually uh, partners with Apex Ammunition, and he was telling me about how they're a bunch of veteran guys, got out of the military and uh, formed an ammunition company that's all made here in America for waterfowl and turkey, so I reached out to him and uh, got contact information for him, and yeah, I'm excited to have these guys on. As a vet myself, I love the idea of veterans in an American-made company. So without any further ado, Mr. Nick Charney of Apex Ammunition. Nick, how you doing, brother? Good, man. How about you? Oh, not too bad, man. Uh, enjoying my one day off of the week and uh, trying to get a bunch of stuff done. It, it seems like I save all of my work for my one day off of my real job and try to cram it all in <laughs> so that way I can enjoy the weekend. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Mm. Uh, so, uh, this is uh, Mr. Nick Charney out of Apex Ammo, man. So, uh, I heard, I talked to Joey on his podcast. And he brought up that you guys were working with him and American Flyway Waterfowl. And he had mentioned, I, I myself, am a Navy veteran, and uh, end up getting out, man, eight years ago now. And, yeah, it seems like forever ago, but then sometimes it seems like yesterday. But uh, it's pretty wild. And he was, uh, he told me about you guys and how you were a, a veterans organization. And, uh, man, kind of tell me a little bit about Apex, man. How, how did you get involved with it? and uh what what was the idea behind it
1: yeah for sure so uh we um, you know we say you know we obviously are a veteran-owned company but i you know it's kind of funny on a technicality i guess if you want to still consider myself a veteran because i'm still actively serving uh on active duty but one of my one of my partners uh jared he's a veteran of the mississippi national guard uh as an artillery officer and um so uh the story kind of how apex was founded was uh a couple of years ago uh we were all living in mississippi where i was stationed at uh my partner Jarrett's from he's grew up there and we've been friends for a long time um and uh i brought him out one day i was like man i i loading this stuff for turkey hunting i said man you gotta come check it out and just see these patterns so he came out and checked it out with me he's like man that's that's really good well a couple of months kind of went by and he jared was like hey we're gonna go hunt um in oklahoma on some public land there's a wma i'd like to go to i went last year; was really good and let's just make a trip together you know go have some fun i said sure so we go out there he's like hey i'm bringing at the time he was actually uh he, his wife got stationed over in uh, in kansas she was doing some uh, uh army command and staff college and uh, he said i'm gonna bring my buddy jason down who uh you know his wife was also in the uh, in the same college as, as jared's wife was and and said we're going to go down and hunt in Oklahoma so we all met up and I I loaded up a couple rounds with some steel um, on top of some TSS and and we went out there and and it just you know a couple birds came in real early and you know we were able to knock those pretty good and then you know just as the morning went on it got a little more stale and there's just one bird that come in and just about was going to pick up and not do it at 40 and i i leaned up and i crunched him and it was just a noticeable difference when when you added the, the tss in there and so they all saw it firsthand and we kind of got to sit together jason jared and myself that night and i was like guys nobody's loading this stuff commercially you know uh, you know, I've always had a infatuation with owning my own business. Um, Jason, who is uh, one of my partners, who is tremendous. He's owned several businesses his entire life. Um, super, super talented, and um, and Jared as well he's like, man, I see this stuff firsthand. I believe in it. You know, I think uh, my dad's got a shop that we can use to load out of because I think we can do it. So around a couple beers that night, we just we kind of etched out a game plan and said, let's go forth. And as soon as we got back, we started filing our LLC uh, with the state. And, and within three months after that, uh, we were filing our um, – getting all our, you know, tax EINs and all that other stuff, getting our FFL, and uh, and got the shop started up and, and just started producing that spring for turkey season in 2017.
0: Dude, that's wild. Now, what part of Mississippi are you guys from?
1: Uh, we actually are from east-central Mississippi in a town called Columbus
0: columbus okay right on right on uh how far is it from jackson uh it's about two and a half hours north uh northeast okay right on right on right in that good area uh well never mind i'm thinking west northeast man i was stationed in meridian for a little bit so that's like what an hour south about an hour hour and a half south okay right on right on just trying to figure out where you're at i lived in pascagoula i lived in freaking meridian when i was in the navy what branch are you in I'm in the Air Force, and then Jared was in
1: the Mississippi National Guard.
0: Oh, very cool, man. Very cool. Thank you for your service, man. And I didn't know that you were yes, still active, so very cool. So, you guys, uh, you started shooting, and for the people that don't know this technical aspect of the TSS, I assume it's tungsten. What's the SS stand for? It,
1: it kind of has been a, just around a while for, it's called Super Shot. It was kind of, you know, just uh, generically branded that way. Uh, is it kind of you know came on over the years and um and in reality it's uh it's really the nomenclature has just been built around that it's a that it's a pellet density that's greater than 18 grams per cubic centimeter um and what that just means is it's a u.s fish and wildlife non-toxic approved shot that has anywhere between 95 and 96 percent tungsten in it or greater uh and it just uh, formulates a, a pellet hmm.
0: what what is that um equate to like versus lead is that pretty similar density wise to lead
1: yeah you know i'll try uh when you get to like the technical aspects it's 45 percent greater
0: than lead. okay okay yeah that dude that's way above my pay grade (laughs) for sure but it's always interesting seeing how that stuff man i've listened to so many breakdowns of how different shot and different stuff moves like that and i'm always like "Ah, i just put it against paper because that You know, the speed versus the pattern and all that stuff. The technical side of things are way over most guys' heads. So that's really kind of cool to know.
1: Yeah, the, the really the premise behind it, you know, from a in a in a super layman's terms, is just, you know, back in the day before lead got outlawed for waterfowl, you know, everybody shot lead sixes, uh, you know, a two and three quarter, three inch lead number sixes, and so when when we had to switch to steel and other non toxic, even before, you know, tungsten was really looked at for a uh, a non toxic option, you know, everybody switched to steel fours, and that's because steel is less dense than lead, so you go up in pellet size to get the mass out of it, but. The downfall is you lose your pellet count so you know the premise for tss is you kind of go the other way on the spectrum you increase the density you can drop the shot size you can get more pellets in the payload and then you can get more pellets on target but you don't sacrifice any of that performance in fact you gain a lot because it's just such a smaller pellet and doesn't deform like lead it it, uh it isn't subjective to like a lot of the wind resistance like high winds and it can actually penetrate better um than lead or steel can
0: Very interesting. Is it um like you know you hear a bunch of difference between all the you know the speeds and stuff like that? Do you guys have like a standard speed that you go on, or do you have like or do you have like different tiers and stuff like that versus the weight?
1: We got different tiers, and kind of in a nutshell, really. Um, you know, speed when you when you look at uh, kind of the physics behind a, a ball or a pellet. Um, the faster you throw it, the faster it loses speed. Um, so it's kind of like a, it's a double-edged sword. And so a lot of times with your, your main lines, like a lot of the steel people are, they're trying to throw it faster to get more energy. But in reality, um, you know, when you look at the math and actually sit down, we have a a database that we go through, um, a a little software, if you will, that, um, that shows that like a steel pellet, you can throw it almost 200 feet per second at muzzle velocity faster, but when it gets to your target. It's only doing 30 to 40 maybe 50 feet per second faster so those speeds really just equate to one thing and that's just lead time so um for turkey you kind of want to because you have bigger heavier payloads you tend to throw it a little slower you know hovering anywhere between 1050 to 1100 feet per second 1200 and some of our cases um and then the waterfowl because they're lighter payloads you end up throwing them a little faster um and uh but really we just try to target a velocity that makes sure it gets good penetration a good pattern most of all uh, a, a good pattern is going to do you more good than, than a fast pellet will any day of the week so we try to make sure one that the pattern is there and then two the speed for the lead time and then three to make sure um it's got the energy needed to to work at any range
0: nice do you guys have like a little uh, range set up with like different brands of guns different choke tubes so Like, did you, was that something you already had a lot of experience with, or did you have to, like, just get out and test, 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 so that way when people called, and they're like, hey, I have, you know, this A5 with this specific choke, like, what, what size, like, what's your recommendation type thing?
1: Yeah, you know, we do a lot of testing in uh, in our shop. Um, We have a myriad of guns, I mean, everywhere from a a TriStar 410 for an automatic 410, uh, you know, a Steven single shot, all the way up to you know, Browning 10-gauge gold, um, and everything in between, over-unders. You know, we, we have a lot of guns, obviously not one of every kind, but we, we probably have well over probably almost two dozen guns that we run through, and, of course, all the major choke manufacturers as well uh, that, we, that we test, and we test different, different constrictions, shot sizes, payloads. So if a customer calls, hey, I'm shooting X, Y, or Z, you know, what do you recommend? Well, you can use this, or you can switch and use this. Um, you know, what are you looking for? Are you looking for a more open open even pattern and closer ranges you could probably just try your factory full choke um, or are you looking for more tighter pattern and extended ranges you can try these choke tubes
0: very cool man well did did you like okay so you were talking about how you were reloading before that how long have you been reloading ammo
1: um, you know, I kind of just mainly grew up with my father and my brother just reloading pistol ammo and, you know, kind of rifle. We just clink stuff at the range. So when we got into it, you know, shot shell was kind of the basics were there, but, uh, you know, it was a little bit of a change just because there's, there's different, you know, uh, variables that you're messing with, um in that fact so it uh you know kind of the basics were there but it kind of had you know have a little bit of a learning curve so we took our time to really develop it make sure obviously one it was safe two it worked and then we uh we do extensive testing all of our products are tested about a year out um and run through at least a season um through our a bunch of our team members to make sure that one it works uh two it's not a marketing gimmick and then three to make sure that it's reliably used um and can so forth be by all of our customers
0: Gotcha man, gotcha. Now you you reloading these things, you guys all get together, you know, and uh start talking about possibly forming a company. Was it as easy as you thought it was gonna be? I mean you're a military guy, so planning is everything in the military from what I know. You go over everything four different times and try to come up with contingencies and stuff like that. But at the end of the day, you know, when me and my buddies are out in the blind and we're talking about, hey man, we should do this thing or we should do this thing. Like, was it as easy as you thought it would be like going through all the hoops of the federal government jumping through the, the FFL and the licensing and having like tell me a little bit about that part of it
1: yeah you know it was it was nowhere near easy and it still isn't you know it's a daily grind but you know that's what we look forward to and I think as us, us military people looking to tackle problems and, and, and kind of hurdles head on um, at 100 miles an hour, mean, um, kind of that mentality has just really carried us to where we are today. Um. And so, you know, getting your FFL, you've got to file with the ATF, you know, so you got to get the local ATF to submit an application. They do a background check on you. They come check your production facility, make sure it meets all the state, lo- you know, state, local, and uh, county, you know, type regulations. And then, of course, you know, you got to register and get your ITAR certification, which is huge. It's a pain in the butt, but, uh, you know, there's a lot of government hurdles to jump through uh, that just make it difficult, especially when you're dealing with the federal government. And then of course you want to go out and get your business insurance, and you want to make sure you got all your tax information because the, one of the biggest deals is is uh, getting your um, your uh, um, Pittman essentially your Pittman Robertson Act tax. So it's your uh, your excise tax that uh, you know for that everything goes towards for uh, like guns and ammo and all that stuff. You there's an excise tax, and you got to pay the federal government that. Uh, for every you know every shell that you essentially sell, so just being able to jump through all those hurdles are uh, and then make sure that you know your accountant reviews it because you don't want to get audited. So there's just so many hurdles like that that you got to just make sure you manage on a day to day basis. And and you know Jason, one of my partners, he's he's an absolute whiz at that. Um, and he's super good at uh, being able to manage that. And Jared is just a whiz on, on being able to produce. So he's very uh, oriented on the production line. And so we make sure that we got a good process set up, that we got a, a bunch of our employees that they just seamlessly load everything. So shot the shot it is super consistent.
0: Well, that's another thing, man, that I was wondering about was uh, like facilities. I live uh, right outside Ozark, Missouri. I live in Nixa and I used to live in Ozark. And, uh, it Fioki USA is like you know out of here their production line is like four or five miles from the house and they have a big huge closed off facility you know it's all gated off like what's the uh did you guys have to go find a shop did it have to be you know licensed in any special way to have ammunition like so far away from other buildings or that kind of thing Um,
1: yes and no, uh, you know, being in the great state of Mississippi, you know, they're super business friendly. So the ATF is just as long as you're within line in all state and federal, um, you know kind of regulations uh you're you know feel free and of course there's regulations on powder storage so you know we have a a certain bunker if you will that we had to install that stores our powder you know once you get to a certain allotment and um but really just being in the great state of mississippi they're they're so business friendly that and the atf is just we kind of defer to the state and the the federal government so as long as you're not violating any regulations it's it really wasn't as bad as we thought and compared to trying to do a state like if you were in say like California or something or New York or you know any other one of those states
0: yeah you might as well not even try it in California or New York
1: oh yeah I mean you're looking at I mean you when you look at a lot of business friendly states you're starting to see a lot of these companies move from those states into states like Wyoming that is just opening up the doors to these people um, you know and it's kind of a breath of fresh air if you will not that we have any you know uh intentions of moving but just just because the ability to you know go into manufacturing and, and be safe but not be not be over scrutinized from the government
0: well yeah that's like uh tesla just moved from california to texas which is insane that's a huge loss for california because of you know being business friendly man absolutely uh, so you guys you have it's you and your two buddies what were their names again
1: uh so i got two partners uh jared and jason
0: Jared and Jason, and they uh, one is a veteran. The other one, did you say the other one? Veteran?
1: His wife is still active duty. That's right.
0: Okay, very cool, man. That uh, that's awesome. So did it start off with you three guys, or were you like in you know in the shop packing all hours of the night trying to get orders ready, or was it like hey we're gonna structure this thing and find employees and do all that stuff, or was it you know like a slower growth?
1: Oh, it was absolutely a slower growth, all done by us. I mean, you know, being at the same time, uh, when Jared and Jason's wife were at, um, they were at, uh, Army Staff uh, Army Command and Staff College and out in Fort Leavenworth area uh, you know after that they got separated from assignments again and so I was still in Columbus Jared was in Florida and Jason was actually in Germany and we ran this whole thing being geographically separated around the around the globe um, and uh, so I would you know work full-time for the Air Force and then I would, you know when I would get off I'd go to the shop and I'd load till probably 9 10 11 at night uh, come home you know uh, kiss my wife and then go to bed and then wake up and do it all over again five days a week and we started slowly bringing on employees and then shortly after uh within four or five months after that i got an assignment to turkey so at that time and shortly after that uh jared had got a deployment notice that he went over to syria or in uh, jordan syria area so at one point in time jared jason and myself were operating the business um you know half of us were in the european continent if you will, or Asia. Um, you know, with our employees and the help of, like, Jared's dad and things like that to kind of help manage the business till we got back. And now that everybody's back stateside, um, you know, we're still running it geographically for the most part. Jared is back to living in Columbus with his wife. He's full-time on site. And uh, Jason and I, uh, we, we essentially telework, if you will, um, you know, geographically.
0: Man, that's insane. What part of Turkey were you in?
1: I was actually in Incirlik, which is, like, the southeast corner down by, like, uh, the the Syrian volcano. A couple, about 100 miles, not even from the Syrian border, um, over on kind of towards the, the
0: Mediterranean side. Nice, man. I was uh, I was in Kusadasi in 2011, which is uh, closer to, like, Cyprus. But man, that's a weird – it's a very interesting uh, – they're a very patriotic country. It, it, it's definitely different. You know, it was – it reminded me of America after 9-11 – how there's Turkish flags like on every single pole. I don't know what it's like now because you know they're a little bit uh, more unstable I guess would be the correct like the verbiage I'm looking for, but that's very cool man.
1: Yeah, they are uh, yeah they're a very very nationalistic country for sure.
0: <sighs> really crazy. So what what do you do in the Air Force that how I'll, the heck are you doing this? while <laughs> doing active duty man.
1: It's a it's a daily grind um, you know and, and I it couldn't it absolutely could not be done without you know a team effort um, you know more so and from part our, our partners my partners Jason and Jared uh, our employees I mean it's just it takes a daily it takes a commitment a daily grind and a good solid team to make it work um, and uh, you know for me uh, just me speaking personally you know I, I work my airport job full-time and then at night i go home and i usually do uh the marketing stuff i work with our guys during the day uh when i can take a quick break uh and then i focus at night and i usually get home and get on the computer around five thirty-six, and i'll work till about 11 every night uh catching up on everything and uh planning out and, and getting everything going for the, whatever be marketing um uh, and and all that stuff so it's it's definitely a grind and there's a lot of days i'm certainly tired and i know i know jason and jared are as well you know jared he he works 10 12 hour days every day uh same with so jason just all the odds and then stuff it's just the, the grind of running a business
0: yeah man i can imagine because you know that marketing side of things just never stops it's you know luckily you can kind of schedule some stuff but dude there's there's so much to keep up with like what what's your strategy of attack for the most part like who are you guys aiming for you know because there's so many different companies and different approaches to how they're doing their marketing like what's your guys's game plan
1: you know ours is just you know I, i've always been inspired uh, by jim harrison over at qu uh you know he really inspired me to just kind of be uh super transparent on how you you know showcase to your customers your products you know while we don't do you know while we do do direct to consumer uh, we also do retail as well but we just try to um, you know share with our customers our development process how we're coming up with new items when they're going to hit the store when they'll be available how we test things um, and and above above all else you know just putting the performance into our products and not get surrounded by trying to come up with the latest flashiest marketing you know bait and switch marketing gimmick.
0: Yeah, yeah. Trying to uh, keep that tried and true, you know, format. Building, building a brand the right way rather than just trying to catch fire real quick.
1: Yeah, and you know, luckily we've we've taken off and been able to do that just from kind of standing around that model and continue to continue to hammer at home and and get out in the field. And I'm, i I like getting out on a grassroots program with a lot of you know. Uh, customers uh, you know seeing them at shows interacting with them talking with them you know uh, clients in the field whether they through outfitters and just getting that that first-hand feedback on how we can continuously improve um, and I think having that mindset has really taken us to, to where we're at
0: do you guys go to like uh, the shot show and stuff like that
1: yeah we do we go to shot show we started going two years ago and then of course we'll uh, we'll have our own booth this year and we do the um, National Wild Turkey Federation in February. Um, We'll do the Great American in Pennsylvania. Um, And, you know, we try to do other ones as well when we can allow them, um, you know, kind of sneak away. Because what's for us is we run our own booths as well. Uh, You know, something that's just, to us, we never you know, hired some sales rep to kind of go represent the company and make a sales pitch and things like that. We want to be the guys with the, you know, in term, literally boots on the ground with our customers because we know how much it means to be a customer ourselves of something, and so we want to repay that to them.
0: Well, and I think that means so much more to the consumer when they can put the face with the company versus, you know, like, I don't know who the heck runs, you know, this company anymore. Like, the, you know, some of the bigger name companies you know that have been around for hundreds of years they're all owned by corporations now and i couldn't tell you who owns you know remington at this point anymore just to use them as an example but uh getting out there and showing your face and doing the grassroots style and being having the story behind it i think is so critical in today's market.
1: Absolutely. And, and that's one of the things we, you know, remind our folks as well is just when you pick up the phone and call us, you're not going to get some call center from some person that doesn't hunt, you know, trying to, trying to walk you through a product or how to help you select what you need or what you're looking for. You're going to get... You know, one of our guys, Andrew, who runs our customer service, and he'll he'll talk to you as much as you need. You know, what type of shot size should I use? What gauge? What payload? Uh, you know, what can you do for me? Um, and, you know, we'll spend as much time as needed uh, just because it's important. I think that level of customer service in today's kind of corporate America has really been lost. And, and that's something we we pride ourselves on. It's baked into our, the core of our culture, and it's something that I think, you know, we'd be hard-pressed while, you know, we're in charge to never let go
0: yeah yeah absolutely man i i totally agree with that mindset um yeah like what i i had a question and i totally just gapped on it um so we got all that stuff set up um man what was the tell me about like the starting process and how long did it take to really get up and go from the concept of sitting around with your buddies to like when you guys were active full business because i think so many guys have this mindset of i'm going to do something like this and they just don't realize how hard it is to to do the paperwork to do everything like you were talking the working 20 hours a day you know
1: oh it, it is i mean and that's but when you do something you love i mean you kind of don't you don't really kind of think of the hours that go into it because you're just you know the vision and you're just trying to share it with everybody and and know that there's people out there that resonate with it and but from proof to concept you know we we looked at you know maybe three and a half four months and we were we were selling um but it was a grind i mean don't get me wrong it was daily follow-up follow-ups with the government you know the atf we're finding out where that stuff is getting your tax numbers making sure your llc is registered with the state you know making sure your federal tax stuff is set up i mean it was you know, it was a daily grind, um, you know, by multiple efforts of all people that we had, you know, between Jason, Jared, myself, you know, his, his dad helping us out with the shop. I mean, it was in, in just, I mean, it's a grind, but it can be done. It just takes work and dedication.
0: Damn, man. Uh, that, that has to be so evident in what you're talking about, the amount of work and time and effort that you're putting into it and the results show, man. Um, like, what uh like so as far as when you guys first started out in the shop like how many boxes were you doing i don't know do you keep track in round count like how many rounds are you guys doing a day like not today but like when you first started was it uh you know hand loaded or did you buy a loading machine or what what was it no,
1: we still continue to be hand loaded, and we do everything by hand. We've just incorporated some processes and hired some more um, employees to help speed up the process to produce more, uh, while not losing that kind of touch. Just because we found that, I mean, you know, th- there's it's you a machine can only do so much, and you know when we found with the hand loading process is it just you get a, a level of performance that you cannot get from a machine, and so that's one thing we've built around our, our business model is that you know our shells are are hand loaded and um you know in the first early days i mean it was you know maybe dozens a day you know up to or now it's you know thousands a day
0: thousands of rounds yeah right on right on (laughs) dude you are a very very polished speaker i think that's another thing that helps with being in the military is you have to do so much public speaking but it's (laughs) like everything that i ask you it's like bam
1: uh, yeah, you know, the military is definitely, uh, they kind of thrust you into that role of public speaking, and they don't really let up from you on it, so it's,
0: it's a good skill to have. <laughs> I agree, man, I agree. So, let's start with you, man. How, did, is marketing something that you, like, studied, or uh, is it something that you always had a knack for, or were they like, hey, man, we need a marketer, we need somebody to do this stuff, we need somebody, like, the division of work, was that just something you naturally fell into, or... Uh, Was it kind of, hey, Nick, you're the best at uh, speaking to everybody. This is your role now.
1: No, I think, uh, you know, it kind of just morphed over time. And we've all actually, between Jared, Jason, and myself, we've all held different positions in the company. Um, You know, more so, Jason has kind of been always the very, kind of the more ceo if you will and that's what he is today uh just because he's so talented in what he does and and he's so smart uh on the financial aspect and on the business aspect but you know at one point in time we've all shared different roles whether it be leading the operations leading the marketing um and things like that which is is kind of been a strength to us that we can fill in as needed uh without you know kind of having that redundancy which is nice and i really just fell into the marketing because you know that's just what the, the company needed I, I felt i had a knack for it um you know i got a lot to learn but we have a a, a gentleman by the name of greg Philius who does a lot of our branding and our content as well uh, and he's super talented and he kind of really helps put uh, our vision on on paper if you will in in terms of magazines print digital uh, you know he's such a whiz that a lot of that stuff that has really afforded us to take our our branding to the next level
0: yeah Uh, was that like something jumping in was it like jumping into something you had no idea how in depth like because like you said um, you know if you didn't have any knowledge of marketing or anything like that you're like what do I what the heck do I do do I do I sponsor a TV show do I try to put my my name in ads like am I focused on social media like was that did it feel super overwhelming when you try to jump into that position
1: Oh, yeah, and it still does. I mean, to this day, I mean, it's still, you know, get that sense of it. I mean, I have an engineering degree by background, so I've never really done anything with marketing. Uh, but what I did feel that my, my knack kind of came from was that, I you know, I've hunted all of my life growing up. And, you know, over the past decade plus, you know, I kind of have stayed in tune with a lot of the... The social constructs and watched a lot of companies grow and and unfortunately some fail and kind of use that as a guiding light to you know how we need to portray ourselves how we need to you know speak to customers and kind of you know i'd I'd hate to say learn more from the bad but kind of definitely pay more attention to other people's mistakes um and the patterns that they make and, and how that you know not necessarily what we have to do different but to make sure that we don't lose any of that um but it's still an overwhelming um you know concept because there's just so much out there that you want to you want to hit different markets and different people um and how do you do that without you know selling your soul if you will or or cheapening your brand and just to be able to make a dollar and i think that's something we're all dedicated to is we refuse to to cheapen ourselves either be processes people, machines to, to give any give the customer anything less than what we would personally use ourselves.
0: Yeah, yeah, I can see that, man. It uh, It's so tough, especially because, like, uh, you know, if you get social media and you get an understanding of how one thing is working and then you're trying to learn a different platform on social media and how they're working and their their algorithms and stuff like that, it feels like when you finally get it nailed down, they change it. And you're back to scratch, and you're like, well, this was working really, really good three months ago, but now I'm not getting, for the amount of time I'm putting into this, the same engagement. So now I have to figure out and game the system again. And I know for myself, it can be extremely taxing. And for what you were saying, uh, looking at the competitors, man, and not even just competitors in your own industry, but guys that are doing something – Like, I I said it, um, we used to run a lot of live stream videos instead of podcasts. And I was sitting around and uh, my ex-wife, wife at the time, whatever you want to say with it, she was, she would watch these freaking makeup videos on Facebook. And they would live stream how to do makeup. And I was like, this was back in like 2016. And I was like, what in the heck are you watching like that? All the time watching this stuff. And I was like, this is nonsense. And I, I looked at it, and I was like, how many people are, are watching this thing right now? She was like, oh, they have 4,000 people tuning in live. And I was like, what? There's 4,000 people watching you? You know, this one person put on makeup? This is That's crazy. And I was like, well, how can I apply this to the hunting industry? So we started doing a bunch of live streaming stuff. And it was, you know, I hate to say, but that's how this podcast got its start was from me overseeing somebody do a makeup live tutorial so it came from somewhere that had nothing to do with hunting
1: yeah i mean with you know it seems like they you know it seems like what worked and i think that's what's, what I, I pride ourselves on personally i think we all do it's just our ability to react to how the market is interpreting things and and sh- without losing our, our ethos or our message be able to dynamically shift um to adapt to what people want uh you know 10 12 years ago you know tv you know mainstream cable tv was king and then now you know it's all you know little film series and and uh podcasts and and uh you know selective episodes on on streaming platforms and you know it's just being able to adapt um and move your message over to different platforms um is is kind of required and, and just because it worked before it doesn't mean it's going to work again and I, I think i think when you attempt to force it is when you kind of you kind of have to have the the self actualization of you know you can't just continue to do the same thing over and over and expect a different result
0: yeah absolutely you have to look at your results and be humble enough to see what's working and you know go out there and test different things and try to figure it out um, if you would have told me 10 years ago that podcasts would be as big as they are now, like <laughs> I would have laughed at you. I was like, there's no way. And now we are it's almost like we're back in the 1920s and everybody's listening to radio because nobody has cable TV anymore. It's, it's pretty insane. We did uh, some TV shows with me and my buddy here out of Missouri, and we were doing some hunting TV shows for a while. And it got to the point there just was no money in it because companies – we're not sponsoring tv shows anymore and if they if they wanted to do tv they were doing it on their own <laughs> you know
1: no absolutely and it's just it, like i said just being able to kind of notice those trends and get out in front of them is uh you know something that's just you kind of you kind of just have to really be in tune with and, and be able to, to to get out in front of the bow wave if you will to to continue that type of you know innovation
0: yeah Absolutely. Now, you said you've been hunting for the majority of your life, man. Are you from Columbus originally, Mississippi?
1: no uh i actually i was born in upstate new york and then when uh, after the cold war happened uh my dad was a civilian working at the um, air force base up there and uh and after the uh the cold war ended and they did what they call a BRAC a base realignment and consolidation um we took a job my dad took a job in maryland at another air force base so we moved down there and i grew up there most of my life um and then you know enlisted in the military and and when i was you know fresh out of high school at 18 um and and then you know kind of just started tra- you know wherever the military sent me from there you know whether it be colorado arizona texas i mean you name it um you know and so I, I i was stationed in mississippi for the better part of six seven years
0: yeah it's it's a really cool state man i love it so did you get into hunting while you were in maryland no i i, I well i was too young to hunt in new york but my family's grown up hunting since
1: i mean uh you know my grandfather was hunting you know since the since the you know 40s and 50s and so uh you know i grew up as soon as i was old enough i got my hunter education i think at like nine or ten years old or something in maryland so you know i had been hunting since then and even before then you know i'd go with my dad a couple times just kind of to get out there with him uh, but you know i couldn't hunt myself until i had my hunter education and then you know i'd hunt with him until i was you know closer to 16 and then you could start to hunt on your own in maryland but you know we primarily grew up uh hunting you know deer with with guns you know we really didn't get into much bow hunting I, I did closer to my college years and you know in my late teens early 20s and uh but for us it was mainly just shotgun hunting and and muzzleloader hunting uh you know we can't use rifle in, in maryland so that's kind of how we grew up you know the old-fashioned deer drives
0: and still uh you know still sits on the ground and things like that very cool now did do you waterfowl hunt at all
1: yeah i know i got into waterfowl hunting on myself probably about over 10 years ago 12 years ago and um Um, I kind of self-taught myself and then and then try to surround my people with surround myself with as many people I could to to develop my skill set and you know kind of learn the tricks of the trade if you will Um, the same thing with turkey hunting about 10 12 years ago you know I got into turkey hunting I had a good friend at the time uh, who kind of really introduced me to it and you know kind of mentored me along the way and and just kind of taking it from there you know unfortunately I wasn't It's just something, uh, you know, my family never really did, but I I always had the desire to do it, and I kind of just stepped out on myself and and tried to get mentored by people I thought were credible and, and just continue to, you know, emulsor myself in it, if you will.
0: Yeah, man, that is, like, one of the toughest things. You know, my dad was a big deer hunter. He liked to hunt rabbits, stuff like that nobody in my family waterfowl hunted at all <laughs> so you know back in 2011 i had a buddy who was like hey man you should you should try this duck hunting thing with me and i was like eh. i went once with my stepdad when i was a kid and it was cold rainy i've been deer hunting before you know i wasn't a big fan i liked rabbit hunting and he was like okay well this is a lot closer to rabbit hunting than freaking deer hunting I was like, all right. And, you know, I went and blew through a box of ammo and shot, like, three ducks. And I was like, dude, this is awesome. Oh,
1: absolutely. And I think the, the socialization aspect of it just makes it so much more enjoyable. But, you know, I think each, each you know, between turkey hunting, you know, playing chess with turkeys and, and waterfowl hunting, kind of the, the daily grinds, I just hope you get it right and, and adjust it until you do. And the socialization aspect of it is just it's it's unlike anything other else versus you know deer hunting which has its place and it's certainly you know close to my heart but it's just a different mindset
0: yeah absolutely i my you know i'm i'm too add for deer hunting anymore these days <laughs> but turkey hunting man i can get down on some turkey hunting that is a, that's one of the most fun it's probably number two well okay i like rabbit hunting a lot but it's uh it's a close number two behind waterfowl um you guys shoot easterns out there in mississippi Yep. Yeah, that's
1: all we have in Mississippi is uh, is Easterns, and then, um, but you know, I I try to make it personal. I try to travel around the country as much as I can, um, and go to you know Chase Rios and Osceola's in Florida, and Marion's out west, and um, you know, each one has their own uh, kind of flavor, if you will, and it's just each one brings such a unique backdrop and kind of interaction that they just they're really separate separate beasts
0: oh yeah they they can they act so different you know we just have easterns here in missouri but you go you know two hours over into kansas and you know heck if you go into oklahoma you have a chance to shoot like three different types of turkey it's pretty cool but uh yeah it's definitely a lot of fun um do you so you're down there in mississippi you probably don't shoot many geese do you
1: no, a lot of the geese, well it depends, if you go to the, the Mississippi Delta, uh, you can get into a lot of speckle bellies mm-hmm. uh, that we get migrate to the Delta, and then every once in a while you'll get some Canada's, but in, mainly in the Mississippi Delta's where a lot of your geese are, and it's snow geese and speckle bellies, Um in, a, in the east side of Mississippi it's just mainly resident Canada's geese that are around.
0: Yeah, those are tough, man, it may- they get real smart, <laughs> and uh, real tough to hunt, so are you guys uh, mainly like, what's your hunting situation like? There, you traveling all over the place while you're hunting. Um, you know,
1: I uh, we try to. I, you know, I, we try to hunt as much as we can. You know, mainly obviously turkeys and deer, and you know, then we kind of travel for waterfowl. We head out to the delta with some of our friends, and we head over to Arkansas because it's not but a you know four hour drive where you know it's a you know king of timber hunting out there green timber hunting for mallards and then we try to make it to the midwest every year with some friends and you know whether or not it be with some of our friends in texas they do speckle bellies lessers um snows they do sand hills you know and then you know obviously uh in the great plains as well uh you know in the midwest uh you know focusing on lessers and sometimes graders as well
0: nice have you noticed your hunting time has gone down i mean being in the military it's already down compared to being a civilian but Starting a hunting-related business and being in the hunting industry, have you found that your hunting time has significantly dropped?
1: Um, it has. Uh, you know, I, I know my partner's always give me grief about how much I hunt. Um, you know, especially here in turkey season, I try to hunt almost at least, you know, my goal is to hunt at least for an hour every morning, even before work. Um but you know, I thought God back in the day. I thought you know, owning a hunting business, all I was going to do is be hunting and get paid for it. <laughs> Boy, was I wrong! Um, and and it was a you know, you spend more time growing the business, and there's so many things on the back end that people don't see that you have to deal with. It it it, it, it forces you to um, selectively choose what you can do and at what times.
0: Yeah, it definitely. There's no you know just whim hunting time anymore. You have to be selective and prioritize. You know. And just uh, figure out what the heck am I going to do? And trips are a little more planned out than the uh, "Hey, let's just go grab the boat and go to the lake for the weekend" type thing.
1: Oh, absolutely. I mean, sometimes they present themselves, but more often, ninety-nine percent of the time, they do not. And it's uh, you know, some days it's disheartening because you want to get out there, but I mean, it's you know, you have to ask yourself: Are you willing to sacrifice the business over it? And and uh, you, you know, you can't you can't really let up. You know, you got to be on the gas pedal a hundred percent, or uh, you know, you kind of fall by the wayside.
0: yeah yeah i can understand that man now did you uh when you guys first wanted to start apex was there a, a spouse at home that you had to have a conversation with or were you able to make that own decision
1: Oh, yeah, no, I mean, I, I personally speaking, you know, I had conversation with my wife about starting a business and how I, you know, kind of always wanted to. And, you know, here's a, a unique opportunity that I think we can at least try, um, you know, definitely with her. And she's been supportive 100 percent. You know, the same with, you know, Jared and Jason's wife as well. You know, Jason has owned a multitude of businesses beforehand. So you know it's nothing new for him and you know a little bit different risk messing with you know ammunition um but you know we you know all have had those conversations and you know our they've all been you know beyond supportive of you know us burning the midnight oil and and sacrificing family time to get this thing going and, and get it to where it's at
0: yeah, that's that's really great, man, to hear because I know myself. I do the podcast, I do a, a bunch of live streaming, I make duck calls, and then I still work full time. So every time I come home with a new crazy idea of something that I want to try, I'm like, he, she's like, uh, yeah, you have enough hobbies going on right now. You have you have enough stuff to do. You have to sleep at some point. So I get. I get hammered on all the time by my buddies of, when the heck do you sleep, dude? You're constantly doing something. So that's good to hear you got some support.
1: No, absolutely. And it couldn't be done without their support uh, by
0: by any means. I think that's the one of the most overlooked aspects of it, man, because uh, if you don't have it, that can really, it can kill a business in its tracks, you know?
1: It, absolutely. And just having their support and just knowing that, you know, they, they back our mentality of whatever it takes uh you know it's just we we certainly wouldn't be there
0: without them absolutely so are you guys uh are you guys looking at coming out with like your your own branded podcast or apex or like uh, a mini series or anything like that or is it more of looking at like uh sponsoring different guys as far as like you know different guide services or like what's the plan there
1: we uh, we actually have our own podcast. It's run by one of our great friends, Jake Stanis He runs uh, Elevate Your Game Radio, which is a podcast, and he brings on a lot of great guests and, and he tackles a lot of uh, a lot of issues and topics that are kind of overlooked, but they're super important. And he's had some great guests. I know upcoming in the near future, he'll have Mark Drury on. Uh, you know, he's had Cuz Strickland from Mossy Oak. Um, he's had countless guys who you know have. You know, we're kind of the staples in turkey hunting from Pennsylvania and New York, and and talking about things like fall turkey hunting, upland hunting. Um, he's had Mike Chamberlain on the, the Wild Turkey Doc on, you know, turkey reproduction and and biology, and so he he really reaches out to a lot of unique areas that I think get that get overlooked. Mainly, they might not sound as flashy, but they're they're uber important to just the, the conservation work that we do and, and how people perceive things from you know people that have been doing this since you know they were carrying around those big lunky camcorders in the late eighties that were <laughs> you know the the ones that your dad filmed your Christmas hunts on with or you start your Christmas presents on with um, you know since then and so being able to just you know highlight the sacrifices those folks made to pave the road for us.
0: Very cool. Yeah I checked out your guys' website and saw a little bit of his podcast. I'm gonna have to check him out. Um, is there any plan for like tv or anything like well nobody's doing tv anymore but like any film series or anything like that
1: oh we got a couple things in the work that we're going to look to do like upland and waterfowl and and i think what we're looking at doing is an upland series here in the near future on you know kind of the lost art of upland hunting and the just the purity of upland hunting and working a dog and watching them work and and uh you know we'll do a couple things on waterfowl and kind of showcase you know to our customers across the country about you know Things that they can experience for themselves, and you know, we work with some other brands like the guys from Small Town Hunting, who you know they hunt all over the place—from Canada to you know out west, to back east, to down south. You know, they're right there with us in Mississippi, and you know, they they kind of do some—they do a uh, bunch of TV and they do a really great job of just showcasing a lot of great hunting that people can have access to, and and so you know, I think we got a, a good mix of. Um, kind of TV and 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 internet personas that uh, that really kind of just resonate the the opportunities that exist to get out and hunt and you know living in these crazy times of COVID and everything else I mean you know questioning the the question of whether sports is going to continue this year and how that's going to look I you know I think that there's no better time to get outdoors and you know buy some licenses and some stamps and see just what you've been missing when sports gets canceled you know introduce a youth or someone new who's never hunted before and show them what they're show them what conservation dollars are going to work and i think there's just no better time than the present to do so
0: i agree man like uh you know football is getting ready to fire off there's no college and that's all that matters down there when i lived in mississippi man nobody cared about pro sports and that's when the saints actually won the super bowl while it was stationed down there so that was like the biggest thing ever but uh other than that man if it's not college sports nobody cares and honestly i haven't like at first i missed sports a lot but now i don't even care like it it's really weird i've i've been a live and die sports fan forever yeah
1: and you know down here i mean it's it's college football or nothing i mean you know it's it's if it's professional if it's not you know and i'm just speaking not generalization of course but if it's not the atlanta braves or the new orleans saints I mean, it's kind of just you know, it's college football and it's Alabama, old myth, you know, Mississippi State, um, Auburn. You know, the, the SEC is just
0: our college football, if you will. Yeah, absolutely, man. When I uh, when I was stationed down there, I was kind of one of the first guys that was younger. Uh, I get, I was an E two when I first got down there. I'd been in the Navy like a whopping four months, and the next closest person to me was in E eight. So, obviously, we couldn't hang out together, and then uh, I was with a bunch of other officers because they were building our ship out in Pascagoula, and uh, so I kind of had to find that, learn for myself, and then I started getting some buddies that, you know, E5, E4, as I continued to move up a little bit, but uh, when new people would come down there, I I was kind of like the old elder, you know, because I had been down there the longest, and tell them about the area i'm like well if we ever go out and anybody ever gives you any kind of problem just yell out roll tide somebody is gonna jump up and have your back like i promise you some local is gonna jump up and have your back if you just yell out roll tide
1: Yo, absolutely, and then depending on what part of the state in Alabama you are, you might get jumped or you might get celebrated. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah, exactly. <laughs> you might uh, you might piss off some Auburn people, but uh, there's definitely going to be some freaking Tide fans there. I personally don't care about either two teams, but uh, yeah, it was always funny. So, what's uh, what's the plan for this year or next year? You guys have anything new that's coming out that you want to leak here, or is everything kind of under wraps? <laughs>
1: Uh, you know, uh, you know. starting tomorrow obviously we're releasing a new line um, called the Small Batch Series, so we, we kind of modeled this, we were sitting around um, together one day and we thought, man, you know, there's just so many unique just kind of shot shells out there that just aren't out there because all, a lot of these corporations they just look at bottom line and you know, the popularity, and, they and you know, we kind of look at it from the customer standpoint of, well, what can be done? Um, you know, what what does a customer want to see? And we incorporate that feedback. So tomorrow we're dropping actually a 2.5-inch 410 um, in TSS that's never been done before. And so we, uh, we got that line coming up, and then here in a few weeks we'll have a custom ammo loaded line called the Small Batch Private Label. And we kind of modeled it after Small Batch Whiskey just because it has such that personalization touch to it. Um, and so we've kind of always been a custom shop, if you will, or a custom company. But we kind of wanted to take that a step further with uh, more personalization to our customers, so they can see who it was loaded by, what date it was loaded by, the guy signed the box, um, you know, what exactly they were getting, and you know, can we build them something that they've been looking for but no one's ever made before, just because you know it wasn't uh, uh, in high demand, as opposed to you know, what can we do for our customers?
0: Yeah, that's a really cool concept, man. Versus like just worrying about putting as much growing as quick as possible i love that you guys are keeping it that small hand-to-hand it's kind of like when you get a new duck call or something in the mail and they wrote a handwritten note you know and kind of put it in there like that that small specialization that it really makes a difference and like we were talking about earlier it puts that that face to it the personalization where people feel like hey this company actually cares about me i know if if I have some duds or bad primers or anything like that, I'm gonna pick up the phone. And they're gonna do something.
1: No, absolutely, and that's something we've you know we continue to make sure that we never lose. And you know, if you something happened, if you had a problem, you know, you can reach back to us, and and that customer service is you know there. And depending on what time of the year it is, you know, we might you know, miss a call, but we, you know, leave a message, or we'll see that you called, and we'll call you right back, and 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 make sure that you know you're just taken care of.
0: I like it man. So, what would you say that Apex's secret sauce, what what separates you guys from everybody else? Why should if I'm going to the counter and I'm I'm trying to choose a new box of ammo and uh instead of just shooting some, you know, some $15 boxes of shells or all the different high-end brands, wh- why should I choose you over any other brand?
1: first and foremost our customer service our dedication to the, the the quality of the products that we build that when we release them we use them ourselves uh, we do use them ourselves and we try them out the year before to make sure before they hit the shelves that they're they're literally field proven um and that of course also as well that that we don't take sacrifices for bottom line and we don't um, we don't kind of showcase marketing gimmicks to get you to buy something what's what's there is transparent and then you know if you want to support us an american-owned uh you know business not a corporation uh one that's veteran owned and formed on you know guys that are dedicated to their craft you know that's where we lie
0: i like it man i like it and i really appreciate your time brother if people want to check you guys out what's your uh what's the social media tags and all that type of stuff
1: absolutely they can check us out on facebook uh you know at apex ammunition they can check us out on on instagram at apex ammunition they can check out our website um at apex uh you know they can hit google apex ammunition or you know in the easiest way um also as well if you got the time and you want that level of, of uh, customer service pick up the phone and give us a call you know 662-441-2739 uh, monday through friday you know if not shoot us a message on instagram or facebook and we'll follow up with you as soon as we can
0: i love it man it's uh it's september what third now are you going to get out and do any uh any teal hunting or you wait until regular season kicks off
1: you know we're going to get in try to saturday get in some early resident geese in georgia with a couple buddies and then shoot some doves in the afternoon and and we'll try to get out for teal season just depending on where we're at obviously you know the it, being in the military right the mission comes first the business comes first so we're gonna make sure that you know everything's running smooth in september and if we can get out we'll, we'll try to get out but if not we got some hunt plans Hunts planned later this fall in october november december and whatnot
0: very awesome man well i really appreciate your time today man i look forward to the things that you guys have coming out and uh throw throw some of those pictures up from the hunts man i i look forward to seeing it
1: absolutely man thank you so much for your time and and for the opportunity to be on here we're more than grateful
0: absolutely brother and uh it's been nice getting to know you nick i hope you have a great night man you too thank you all right take care buddy take care bye bye all right guys nick charney from apex ammunition i uh just recently learned about them um i've seen the name a few times over the last couple years but it's uh kind of cool to get some of their backstory and And where they came from so get out there check them out they're not you know like any kind of sponsor or anything like that i just i just wanted to talk to the guys i really love the idea of the veteran company um made here in america by dude active duty he's not necessarily a veteran i don't know that whole veteran active duty thing is weird to say but uh yeah a very very cool company i look forward to what they have coming out like it share it check out us on uh Social media, BTBN, um, get out there, and get yourself an unstable call or get on that very very long <laughs> list. I'm working through it and uh, check out Fox Red Apparel. Simple shirts that are made for the uh, the adult hunter. There's no uh, no crazy designs, no nonsense on it. Like I said, it's not for the bedazzled jean wearing guys. Thanks a lot, guys. Have a good. One.